Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Let's pray before I jump into today's message. Loving Lord, we, we confess that you're in this place right now. And we pray that you would guide these next moments together as we, we unpack your word, as we, we press into what you might be trying to tell us. Loving Lord, would you, would you guide our thoughts, would you guide our hearts as we, as we maybe get challenged, as we maybe uh, learn something new about you or about ourselves. Father God, would you be at work over this, this, this next half an hour or so together? Would you, would you uh, speak to us and show us what you would have us do? Loving Lord, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so this, this week's message is called Prepare the Way. And we're, we're looking at the early chapters of the Gospel of Luke, where we hear about this guy called John the Baptist. And the unique purpose which God has for him to prepare the way for not only Jesus' ministry, but we also see, in fact, his birth. How many times do we, in reflection, looking into the past, see God at work, when sometimes in the present moment, we don't always see it? Sometimes it takes intentional reflection to see where God has been moving. Not to say he's not active, not to say he's not moving in this, in this exact moment, but sometimes we can't see it unless we step back and reflect. And so, again, with the, the biblical narrative, as we, we know how part of this story ends, yeah? We know that at, at Easter time, the, the, Jesus went to the cross and he died for us, and three days later he rose. That's the end of this part of the story. And we're moving towards that throughout this, this season, this series, as we head towards Easter. But sometimes we need to step back and look at the things that led up to that. Those things that, that might have happened that, that are pointing to that, that point of culmination in the biblical story. And like our own circumstances, often there's a far bigger picture, there's a far bigger plan at work. And sometimes we just need to step back and reflect backwards. And so before we consider the events of the cross and the days and weeks after, we, we're going to open our, our Bibles, everyone. Yeah? Going to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 5. It says this. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah and his, his wife Elizabeth, and both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And so one day he's working in the temple. We pick it up in verse 11 where it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 
He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. See how he was polite to his wife? He was willing to call himself old, but she was just advanced in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, but I, and I've been spent, sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and, and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. And so John's story and John's influence on the world begins even before his birth. His parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, were faithful servants of God, but they were childless and advanced in years. And despite their age, despite their inability to conceive, God chose them to play a pivotal part in his grand plan. God makes it relatively obvious by sending the angel Gabriel to Zechariah. The angel appears announcing that, that Elizabeth would conceive a child in her old age. But did they have all the details of the plan? Did they know how it would all play out? They didn't have the benefit of knowing the story of Jesus at the cross. This is happening 30-odd years beforehand. They had the history of the nation of Israel, but they didn't know how it would all play out. And so at that moment, they get this incredible news. In our old age, we're having a baby after being childless all these years. But if anyone knows, you get to a certain age, you're probably like, oh, we're having a baby <laughs> and we're advanced in years. <laughs> and so they don't have all the information. And so the baby's born and it comes, comes time to name the child. And, and Elizabeth wants to call the baby John. But everyone around her at the time is saying, well, that's not really the tradition. You, you generally name, name your baby, like your son, after their, their dad. So why wouldn't you call him Zechariah like his dad? And actually, it's his dad's decision to make. So let's go to Zechariah. Except he can't talk. So that's going to be a challenge. And so we pick it up in verse 63 where it says, he asked, Zechariah asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. And so in this moment, immediately, after him doubting in, those first, in that first scenario nine minutes earlier, at nine months earlier, he, something incredible happens in this moment. When he believes and trusts in God's plan, by naming him John, he can speak again. And what's the first thing he says? Not, oh my goodness, I've been waiting to tell you about all this stuff that's happened over the past month. No. He praises God. He praises God. It says in verse 67, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Zechariah praises God, declares God's goodness, 
and, and faithfulness in the midst of this chaotic situation where he's been mute for nine months, right? So what do we see? We see God again using extraordinary circumstances, using ordinary people to bring about his plans and purposes. Nine months earlier, Zechariah scoffed at the idea that they'd even have a child. Yet it's come to pass, and now he has no choice but to praise the Lord. Israel was promised a king from the line of David, someone to rescue them, to provide salvation. And this is to happen not in the way they probably expect. See, God's perfect timing and God's perfect plan is at play. Maybe our lives aren't as dramatic as Elizabeth and Zechariah, or maybe they feel even more dramatic. But you know what? We are no more or less qualified than these two people we hear the story about to to be at work in God's kingdom. We have a perfect plan from the Lord for our own lives. But we need to be willing to play our part. See, if Zechariah didn't play his part, John wouldn't be able to play his part. Jesus may not have been able to play his part. But you know, it's Jesus, so he would have found a way. So we've seen John's birth ushers in the birth of Jesus. So we go from Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2 is the birth of Jesus, and now we're fast-forwarding to Luke chapter 3, where we see the ministry of John and Jesus. So turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter 3. As John grew up, he he lived this this life of simplicity, this life of dedication to God. He goes, lives in the wilderness, so much so that he eats locusts and honey and grows a pretty awesome beard. And just at the right time, God's perfect time, John begins to minister to people around the Jordan River. He spends time preaching this message of repentance, of baptism for the forgiveness of sins calling people to turn away from from the the earthly life that they're living, a life full of brokenness, a life full of distance from God, and prepare their hearts for the arrival of the Messiah, just as it was prophesied. John's message isn't one of condemnation, yet one of hope, and inviting everyone he encounters to experience the transformation that comes with genuine repentance. Repentance. And so, what is repentance? We get this, we throw this word around church relatively easily. The word metanoia in the Greek means to turn away from an old way of doing things and to stepping in to a new way of doing things. See, it's not just about being sorry, because we can say sorry, but you know, actions speak louder than words, right? It's about turning away from those old things, those things of the world, those things that try to tear us down, that speak negativity and and pain into our life. And it's about turning in the opposite direction and stepping into the plans and purposes God has for us. That's what true repentance is. True repentance becomes a pathway for experiencing the grace and mercy of God. Without repentance... We, we, we can't step into the fullness of all that God has for us. Repentance takes humility. Repentance takes honesty. And repentance takes a willingness to turn away from our sin. And this is what John is telling people. 
He's literally warning people ahead of Jesus entering his ministry, telling people to turn away from their old way of life and be transformed. The Messiah is coming. Are you ready? He's on his way. And so Luke chapter 3, partway through verse 2 says, The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. And so God's sharing this message with everyone he meets around the Jordan River. He, he's gathered a following of people, some that probably agree, some that don't agree, sharing his message of repentance to anyone that would listen. Roman soldiers, tax collectors, religious leaders, people who are from the nation of Israel that are, that are Jewish, those people that maybe aren't. And so they start to ask him, asking questions. What should we do then, the crowd asked. This is verse 10. What should we do then? John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he said. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. See, don't live in the world anymore. Because there's lots of things drawing you to that place. No matter your background, whether you're a tax collector, whether you're a Roman soldier, whether you're a religious leader, there's, there's things that are holding you in the world and, and you're, you're making a choice right now to turn away from that. Turn away from the, the things that are holding you back from experiencing your full purpose and the goodness of stepping into the kingdom of God. This is what he's calling them to. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He says, guys, it's not me. I'm just here to prepare the way. I'm getting you ready because anything I can offer you is a drop in the bucket compared to what is about to happen. The one who is to come, who I'm not worthy to untie his sandals, is going to come and, and invite you into his kingdom. I'm here to prepare the way. So John recognises who he is in, compa in comparison to who God is, right? He, he knows precisely that Jesus is the coming Messiah and that he has a part to play in the preparation. And so then John's ministry reaches its climax when Jesus himself, Jesus himself comes to be baptised. 
verse 21 says, when all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as, as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. In this moment, John, who, who has been preparing the way, who has, has been ushering in the kingdom of God, who has, has been telling everyone about this Messiah that is to come, has the privilege, has the absolute honour of being there in that moment when the divine meets humanity, when the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus himself and enacts his part in this plan to restore humanity. See, John is recognising his humanity. In his humility, he recognises who he is. And more than that, he recognises who God is and places him in that rightful place. So what have we learnt today? We all have a perfect part to play in God's plan. Just like Zechariah, just like John the Baptist. God's timing is perfect. Even when it seems impossible. Even when we're advanced in years. Even when we're childless. Even when we've been in the wilderness for 30 years or however many years. No matter our circumstance, God has a part in his kingdom for us to play. True repentance ushers in the grace of God. More than being sorry, changing our life to live out our kingdom call. No longer being controlled, no longer being conformed or contained by the things of this earth and stepping into our God-ordained purpose in his perfect timing, in his perfect plan to restore humanity. Well, we've also learnt we're not the Messiah, but we know who is. And our role is to prepare the way for him, just like John the Baptist did. For people to be able to encounter the living, encounter the living God in his fullness, we are called to prepare the way. In the everyday, in every opportunity we can find, are we preparing the way for people to know the Messiah? I guarantee in these few moments, it doesn't take too long to realise there's, there's people in our lives, whether it's in our workplace, in our family, that don't yet know who Jesus is. That Jesus is the Messiah. He is the plan to restore humanity. And he's done all the work. And he offers us an opportunity to step into his kingdom. There are people on our hearts right now that I can guarantee that do not yet know Jesus. And so my question is, in what ways are we preparing the way? In what ways are we having the conversations? In what ways are we providing an opportunity to, to know and learn all that Jesus is and offers? How are we preparing the way? Well, the first step is we can pray. And that's what we're going to do right now. In these, in these next few moments, I know there's people on your heart that, 
that you just burn, that, they, that, that, that it cuts you so deep that they wouldn't know Jesus. And what we can do to start to prepare the way before we leave here today, before any of that, we can lift them to God in prayer. And so we're going to do that right now together. Loving Lord, we, we thank you and praise you that we are invited into your perfect plan. And Father God, we know that, that we have a place and a purpose that you ordained for us to do. Father God, would you equip us and show us those people that need to know who you are. Their life depends on it. Father God, those people that are on our hearts right now, those family members, those work colleagues, our children, our parents, our friends, each and every one of them is a child of God that you, you desire so deeply to be restored to you. Would, would we be so bold as to ask that you would use us, that you would use us to prepare the way so that they may see your goodness and your grace and your mercy, no matter their circumstance, no matter where they come from, that you love them, you see them, and you want a relationship with them. Would you embolden us to play our part in your plan? Father God, would you hear the cries of our heart right now as we bring these people to you? Would you prepare a way? Would you use us to prepare a way? Loving Lord, we thank you and praise you for all that you're doing. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.